Hi everyone, it's Aliza Licht here, your host, and I'm so thrilled to share that my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is out now. I hope you'll pick up a copy because personal branding is for everyone. It's for the new graduate starting out, the middle manager looking to level up, the executive who wants to be a thought leader, the entrepreneur starting from scratch. It's for anyone who wants to pivot or transition into something new. Because having a strong personal brand means that your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in and that you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. So pick up a copy and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. Jacqueline Levin is an accomplished media executive, executive producer, showrunner, advisor, and consultant who has led network news broadcasts, content development, show creation, and now the building and development of modern multimedia digital-first businesses, including Schreiber Media. Jacqueline has earned four Emmy Awards, four Gracie Awards, an Edward R. Murrow Award, garnered two daytime Emmy nominations, and was named to Variety's 2020 Power of Women Impact Report. Jacqueline, welcome to Leave Your Mark. Your institutional knowledge on the media business is unparalleled. And for everyone listening, Jacqueline was one of the first female executive producers at Today and ran the business behind the multi-million dollar hour of television that she oversaw, including managing relationships with not only the high-profile news anchors and entertainment talent, but also partnering on the back end with legal, finance, digital ratings, research, publicity, promotions, marketing, the whole thing. Jacqueline, you spent 26 years at NBC News. Dead. And you left in 2020, and we have so much to discuss, and you're doing such incredible work now for a multitude of brands. But we have to start off with, and this is my point of view, because I knew you from an outside perspective of your role at NBC for years. And Mm -hmm. your reputation at that company was at the highest level, but also very, very tough to break through. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I think it's important because we always talk about like, what's your personal brand, right? Obviously my book on brand speaks about this, but people tried so hard to break through and you were the gatekeeper really yeah. of everything. So I imagine you didn't start off that way, but what no. about your management style, your leadership style created this persona? Because I think it is certainly behavior that people can model, especially if they want to become that top spot of like the buck stops here. Right. Wow. Well, thank you for all of that. Um, That's funny. I was having this conversation recently with a few people and I never knew that about myself, that that's what people thought until some people started saying that to me. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm so soft inside. But (laughs) I think that the people who know me and who get to know me know that's true. I cry at the drop of a hat. 
and I'm not ashamed of it. But I think what I was really doing at that point in my career, and I, I'll go back and explain a little bit more about what that role was at the time. I was just being protective of the network and of the level of content and work that we would put on the air, at least that I would want to put on the air on behalf of the network and my colleagues. So at that time, before I was an executive producer and a senior producer, I was in charge of all of the books and the publishing world and the authors and the people who wanted to get on TV to publicize their books. And I joined a brand new show called Primetime Live at the time with Diane Sawyer and Sam Donaldson. And my executive producer said, go make sense of this publishing world. It seems like everybody else is doing it. And so I did. I literally dove in. So was I tough? I don't know. I just think I was honest. People don't like to hear no. And in the beginning, I would entertain a lot of different ideas. And then I... I wasn't the one who made the final decision. I had to go pitch it to my executive producers and my mm -hmm. senior producers at the time. And if you thought I was tough, they were tougher. I have a notorious story of one of my EPs who shall remain nameless, but you know, I had pitched an idea to one of my first pitches when I joined the Today Show. <laughs> and it literally got back in an email in capital letters, NFW. <laughs> to my pitch. And I turned to my husband and I'm like in tears. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? This is such a great story. Da, da, da. This was this person's style. Yeah. I certainly hope I didn't ever say that back to someone in an email, but I was, I was pretty honest. Like why waste someone's time? You know, if I just know it's never going to have a chance, I tried to let people know that. And so few of the pitches I got so many and just such a small amount would make it on the air. And it broke my heart truly because I just knew how good some of these stories could be. Here's what's so interesting though, because I find that saying no is actually a gift. Mm -hmm. Most people just ghost, right? Nobody yeah. actually answers you. And there is something to be said for, you know, if you're getting a thousand emails a day and you're getting pitches all day yeah. long, like it's impossible to get through them. But when you think back to your mental filter on how you determined what was worthy of a pitch to your EP, how did you think about that? Oh gosh. Well, I was working in a visual medium. So you could have the best story possible. But if the main characters were uncomfortable on television, if they really got nervous and couldn't deliver their messaging, there was nothing I could do about it. Sometimes I would try to help by finding a surrogate. You know, maybe the author of a book wasn't quite comfortable on TV, but the characters they were writing about would do the job. And again, they're kind of different categories and it's really minutia. But you know, like you're an author and you write books to help people. So you give them prescriptive information. You're not really writing like a memoir. Exactly. So for you, I would look at the content you're writing. Is it unique? Is there something new in it that I haven't heard before? Is there a fresh angle? Don't forget, this is morning TV that I was working in. We did everything. For me, the challenge was finding a different way of doing it for the next audience, for the audience that was coming that hadn't seen it perhaps, or if they did, 
here's a different twist or take on it. So I was always Mm -hmm. looking for that. I was clearly always looking for someone who was a good messenger for that. Those are kind of the bars for like the live segments. Then there's a different way to tell a story. It's through tape called those, you know, produce tape spot. And that's if there was someone's incredible life story, memoir, investigative story, how can you bring that to life? And that was, you know, what we did so beautifully and what so many content creators do and producers and journalists is they're great at storytelling. So finding all the characters that can come to life from a book, you know, or any pitch, but at the time I was working with books. And most importantly, at that time, being first. I worked in a very, very, very competitive atmosphere. Everybody knows now because of all the shows that are out there. Morning television in particular is super competitive. So we had to be first. Yeah. We wouldn't follow anyone. So I played the game. And I like to think of myself as a fierce competitor and negotiator. And I became sort of the keeper of all the books for the big kind of package deals that the network would offer at the time. So not just for today, but for what else could we offer? You could get a dateline and the Today Show would kick it off. And obviously we'd have digital components that were just growing at the time and trying to figure out the best offer I could put on the table. We never offered money, to be clear. Yes. And those were the deals that were for the big, big gets that we would pursue. You know, and then I was able to kind of move up from there and start running the Today Show, the whole special series department where we would produce content across five days, across different areas of the network. And I would always still turn to books to find some of that great content. It's incredible, incredible career. When you think back to the skills that you honed throughout your years there and kind of looking back on that now, you've taken all of this education, right? And you have now applied it to your own consulting business Mm -hmm. in a fresh way, right? Because the world of media has obviously changed, but there is probably some lessons that you learned along the way that still hold true now. Can you think of something that even to this day, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I learned that because that is the key to some of my success today. Yeah, it's only TV. (laughs) I used to have to tell myself, you know, I'm not performing surgery. Someone's life is not at stake here. So I think that that's really hard to remember when you're in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. That is one of the lessons, but certainly just hard work. Honestly, I worked so hard. I watched my parents work so hard every day of their lives. My dad used to work seven days a week. He was really never home for dinner. And he you know, was a butcher. <laughs> he owned a little mom and pop grocery store. And he's still around. He's 92. And my mom Aww. is 89. And they're both still living in the house I grew up in. So my work ethic really spoke and speaks for itself. Um, I'm certainly working differently now than I ever worked during my adult career. Um, I left two and a half years ago, and it was a huge, huge, huge adjustment for me. When you did leave two and a half years ago, yeah, that first day that you were like, this is like page one. Yeah. Describe that feeling. Well, you know, it was COVID. I literally moved into a brand new home the week I left NBC. So I, I was a little distracted, but then when kind of the dust settled, I cried. 
I cried a lot. And I think for me and for a lot of people who are leaving their big, long careers, and there are many, many people I watch, you know, I read, I see every day someone else. I think it is a loss that, you know, I don't think the generations coming up now will ever really feel it because you don't stay at one place for a lifetime anymore. I was at NBC for 26 years. I got married while I was there, had my two kids while I was there, you know, so a lot of my life was lived while I was there. I was at ABC News before that. So it was a real loss. And while it was freeing and that I'm working, like I said, differently now, I was just not really sure of who I was because I think I had attached myself so much to that identity. Jackie Levin, you know, Today Show producer. I mean, that was kind of crazy. You know, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. It's almost like you're naked in a way. It's like you don't actually recognize yourself, but you obviously were able to then, which, you know, I did as well. It's like you realize that, wait, those skills are yours. You've amassed this incredible experience that is Mm -hmm. valuable to other entities, which is what you're doing now. So tell us a little bit about your role today. Definitely. Yeah. So after I left and I was figuring out what's next um, and people would say, oh, how's retirement? I would get so angry. Yeah, I totally get it. I'm not retired. I'm not retired. What are you talking about? You know, like, it's like offensive, (laughs) right? What do you mean? I'm very uncomfortable with that whole notion and I'm uncomfortable with sitting still, but I did allow myself to sit still a little bit. I allowed myself to go through that you know, the stages of grief and kind of change. But while I was doing that, I also made it a point to continue to educate myself about the world of media as it's ever evolving. I was tucked away in the safety confines of network news for for better or worse for 30 years. And suddenly I was not a part of a huge corporation. Like, you know, I had picked a Gmail address years ago, never thinking I'd ever really be using it. And now it's the longest Gmail address. <laughs> I'm like, what was I thinking? So it took a while to really adjust. But while I was doing that, I learned and read and read about all these different things going on in this new media space. At the same time, one of my NBC colleagues, Maria Shriver, came to me and suggested that I help her out you know, while I was figuring out what I wanted to do, she had started her own media company called Shriver Media. And that, you know, she and I had always worked together very closely um, at NBC. So I was like, okay. So it was meant to be a sort of temporary place, but here I am two and a half years later, which is crazy. And I am now able to speak an entirely different language that I did not have before in terms of digital media, the digital media landscape, you know, the newsletter business, certainly documentaries and films. And the most familiar is this book imprint that Maria has with Penguin Random House called Open Field. So I'm a part of all of it. I'm helping her. I'm the president of Shriver Media and really helping this company grow and monetize, you know, and really create all these different streams and verticals. So it's very exciting. It's very familiar content, but it is disseminated in a totally different way. We're doing summits with different partners and we're doing events with other partners. And we produce a weekly newsletter that drives to our 
digital hub that was one of the first things I did when I got there was encourage her and the team to build a new website to house all this great content that's being produced. And we just literally won a Gracie Award. We accepted last week. Congrats. For, thank you. The best digital news website, which is crazy. And it's called Maria Shriver Sunday Paper.com. I subscribe. Good, good. I see a lot of people coming out of the traditional sort of linear landscape and they don't know where to turn. And I'm like, you got to start learning about different ways to do your content. And you got to get used to the fact that, you know, you're not going to get 6 million people pop anymore. Those days are gone. If you're going to do an IG live or you're going to do a Zoom and you can get a couple hundred people to show up, that's a good thing. So yeah, it's just resetting my expectations. I think. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how AI figures into all of this content strategy. Yes. It's a little scary. You know, I don't want to be in total denial. It clearly can be useful, but I like to think that there's just sort of the humanizing factor, you know, the human behind this content that I still don't know that uh, I'll probably regret saying this, you know, that AI can take the place of, but I'm not an expert in the area. Yet, and I, I will be. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? I think even Sunday papers mantra of like above the noise, even determining what is above the noise, right? Like what is that threshold above is something that I believe a human still needs to decide. Absolutely, and a human who also has a worldview that is credible. Absolutely, and it's so great to see the number of people that come and read the content that subscribe. We have both free model and we've launched a membership model that offers a little bit more content that's behind a paywall as one of our revenue streams. You know, running a business, we want to be able to hire the journalists that, you know, we need to write for the publication. I think another really important learning from, you know, your years of experience is, and this is something that actually going back to your point about how the world has changed and people don't stay at these roles for as many years as you and I did, but the relationships that you have cultivated over decades, I mean, that is everything. I mean, that's also the reason why you can tap back into all of these different opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about the relationships you've built in this business and you think about like your kids, for example, don't you see like a stark difference in the way that like you have cultivated that versus how people interact today with their colleagues? A hundred percent. I have a 26 and a 24 year old and the 26 year old is in a much more sort of non-traditional space. He's a musician, singer, songwriter and really pushing hard in there. And my 24 year old is in more of the consulting role in a startup. And both of those roles were started virtually. And they're really not back in the office setting. And it's stunning to me how that's okay and how it works. You know, I was always very lucky because I was allowed the flexibility to do my job kind of from wherever. I Even way back when? Oh, yeah. Way wow. back when, before COVID, before all of this, I never expected that I would want that. But after my kids were born, I had approached one of my bosses about working part-time and then flex time. And it was a male boss too, who said, well, if you can figure it out, 
I'll be willing to try it. So I figured it out somehow. I was really mostly working with the book world at that time. I wasn't really traveling and producing stories yet. And so I made it work and they made it work and we figured it out. And by the time it was 2006, when I went back to the office full time, when I went to the Today Show and nobody was making me, I just knew I was ready at that point. So I knew it could be done. And this was before iPhones and what have you. So I had that flexibility, but I always was in the office part of that time, just being around people and learning from people. My God, I learned from so many great people the early, early days when you know I was an intern at Nightline when it was Ted Koppel and the level of journalism. I just don't know how you could do that virtually. Um, and I think people are back in the office a lot more in the news space, but you know, I just observed and learned so much. So it's it's just a totally different time. And the relationships, yes, it was a time when I literally had a lunch every single day of the week and sometimes an in-person meeting later in the day. And these were working lunches. These were book publicists pitching me their books. And when I say I grew up with some of these people, I literally grew up with some of these people who are still around and I still talk with. So I don't know how that happens in this day and age. And I don't know if that's valued, to be honest, anymore. I don't think it is. I've seen, you know, I I don't want to go off on my soapbox, but you've seen a lot of institutional knowledge pushed out by a lot of big corporations. And it's heartbreaking. But you get to a point and you cost too much. So, you know, they're willing to sacrifice that knowledge for the bottom line. You know, it's true. But then I do think (laughs) there always comes a point where there's regret because you realize that there's no one in the room who actually has the experience to understand. Like you can make a quick decision, but like the ramifications of that decision and being able to see the future and understand what could happen if you make that move can only come from experience. I hope that's the case. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting time right now with just these crazy amount of layoffs. I, you know, I really hope that they're allowing some people to remain in the room who know what they're doing because it, it's an important time. It is important. And it's funny because I have a client I'm sort of like adding in as that like senior mm-hmm. layer advisor behind the scenes. And so I'm receiving a lot of work product from agencies Mm -hmm. just to like eyeball bless. And I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not okay. Like none of this is okay. And then you start to think to yourself, wow, these agencies are charging these astronomical numbers and they're literally no one in there actually knows what they're doing. And then people are just paying for it. And unless you bring in a consultant like a you or a me or mm-hmm. anyone else that we know from our industry of years of experience of saying like, hey, actually, that's not how it's done. But like nobody here knows that. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the Maria Shriver's of the world, they're not supposed to know how it's done necessarily. They depend on people right. like you to say like, okay, actually, this is what we need to do. But it's pretty frightening what I've seen. Yeah. I'm actually like, where did you guys all train? Because this is not. This is not a thing. They didn't, you know, if you think about it. I mean, the last three years has been a wash with COVID. And then, you know, while at the same time, 
a lot of those people have left. So I don't know who's training and how they're being trained, but it is worrisome, you know, with the elections coming and with media and news in the state that it's in. Um, there are plenty of terrific journalists out there for sure. But I think that that level of institutional knowledge, sadly, a lot of those people have left the traditional space, but you know, they're not done by no means and are figuring out different ways to share their craft. I mean, when you look at something like a Substack, I'm just so impressed with the number of writers that are out there and earning a living directly from their audience. It's so smart. And I had a conversation with someone recently who just left a very traditional role, who's a writer. And I said, have you thought about Substack? And I'm not even sure if this person knows about Substack. (laughs) But, you know, it's just, it's really about opening up your eyes to different ways of working. For sure. But on the subject of journalists and media today, like in years past, you really didn't know the personal opinions of journalists. Or at least I don't feel like I ever consume that on television. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like that is par for the course. I mean, what is your view on that? Well, I think it's so different. The landscape is so different. And you're right. We probably didn't know. But I also do think there were a number of assumptions made. And this is tough. I think it's inherently, it's impossible to be completely unbiased. If you're a news reader and you're reading the news at 6.30 or 7, you know, 5.30, whatever time you get your news, that traditional newscast is still around and actually draws quite a bit of viewers. You would think, okay, they're just reading the news, but someone's writing that news. And that person who's writing that news may come to it with a bend. I think we all have to kind of gut check ourselves as journalists as we deliver stories. Mm-hmm. And be open every day to learning about how you're telling that story. You know, and I've had experiences of my own. You know, if I was overseeing a story and someone pointed out, well, you're only telling that person's viewpoint, or isn't that coming in a little heavy handed? You know, so you have to just be very open to really how you tell that story, who your experts are, Mm -hmm. how you're choosing your experts, who you're choosing you know, your sources, etc. And at the end of the day, just really hope that you've been able to, if you're truly committed to delivering, you know, an unbiased, as best as possible opinion, check yourself along the way. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. But I mean, having said that, there are certainly networks, they can't even pretend to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. And that there are a few that are coming up now and pretending to be down the middle. But if you watch them, um, and I watched them with that, kind of lens on. They're not down the middle. The stories that they're choosing to hype and write about clearly have a bend. Jackie, when you think back about everything you've accomplished, you've so many awards, you've done such incredible work that's been recognized. Do you have like anything left on your bucket list to do? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, look, I left NBC. It was a crazy time. COVID was swirling and happening. Luckily, myself and my family's health, we were all okay. But, you know, it was just time to go. And I take for granted, truly, what I accomplished. And my children 
are like, mom, you know, like you're a badass. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? Totally a badass. They're so right. I'm, right. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not done. So I think about, there are stories I see every single day that I'm itching to tell or to find a platform for. I feel like there's a huge void in this space. Hard to believe there are 8,000 streamers. and But yet, for the really premium nonfiction content that I always loved being a part of. And so, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot and how I can solve for that. You know, every time an opportunity has come up about maybe possibly going in-house again, I get a little like twitchy. Yeah, I don't you know. know I, I don't know that I can do that. It's sort of like I thrown myself fully into playing tennis, <laughs> which was always my dream. I'm very competitive playing on a number of USTA teams, but also, you know, really working on things, like I said, in a different way. So for me, it's about probably creating something of my own with people that I love to work with that allows for these stories to have a home, whether it's sort of aggregating some content into one space and or creating it from scratch and launching on it. There are times I'll pick up the phone and call people that a story I've seen in the times or a book or something. I'm like, Oh my God, it's such a great story. Can I option it? You know, so I'm doing that and collecting things and, I will pop up with something soon enough. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's great foreshadowing and it sounds very exciting. <laughs> Last question, always the same. How yes. do you ultimately want to leave your mark? Like the headline for Jacqueline Levin is what? Produce your own show right now. Produce your life show. <laughs> <laughs> Produce my life show. That would be boring. Um, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I think I would like to leave my mark at this point in my life in a new way. And really, when I think about it, my parents were entrepreneurs in such a very a simple way, way back when. And I had never done that for myself. So I want to do that. I would like to create something that is the company that I've started, a business that I've started. I get stuck on what to call it. I mean, I have a number of different names. So maybe, you know, you can help me with that, but some <laughs> inappropriate that my kids are, and family are like, I don't think you can call it that. I mean, that might be precisely why it works. Right? Exactly. This is very exciting. Yeah. Thank you. That is ultimately, you know, that I can continue in this space that I really have raised good children, because I think that that is really how you leave your mark, um, that I have put two amazing human beings into this world that I marvel at every day and hope that they, you know, succeed in whatever they choose in their lives as well and just try to support them. So, Oh, that's amazing. Well, you have always been so impressive. You continue to be impressive. Oh, you're so kind. No, it's true. And I'm excited to see what's next. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for coming on Leave Your Mark. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Leave Your Mark. If you want more career advice or tips on personal branding, make sure to pick up a copy of my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. Want to land your dream job or kill it in your career? Don't forget about my first book, Leave Your Mark. If you want me to speak at your company or at an offsite, or if you need consulting services, 
please go to alizalick.com. I would love to connect with you there and on social media. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.